Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 174. How to have a good time at a con. We'd like to thank our brand new Patreon backer, Kyle, for joining us at the producer level. Kyle, man, you rock. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. Anthony, it's convention season! Woo! Woo! We're finally there! Woo! This is awesome! Although yeah. we're still home. Yeah, well, I mean, two more days. Alright, two more days. Yeah. Hey, we're technically here by the time you're listening to this podcast yeah well we're on our way home by the time you're listening to this podcast well we're technically had a lot of fun at the convention when you're listening to this podcast it was a good time yes this is this is the episode where you guys get to hear us speak in the future and past tense at the same time <laughs> did we enjoy ourselves did we have a good time anthony oh 100 all right cool that thing you did that was awesome and that game i played loved it yeah, but that one time, not so much. No, and I hated that other game. I'm really sorry that I started a fire at the convention, but when I burn a game, I really do burn a game, man. You know that about me. Yeah, I mean, you had to go home a couple of days early. I was just hanging out, I guess. Look, <laughs> I don't know that I, guy. I bought the Elon Musk, you know, flamethrower. The game deserves a burn. Come on, you got to do a thing. <laughs> that's what those were for, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's what it was in the contract somewhere. It's it's in the it's in the fine print. Most people don't know about that. Elon Musk really hates bad board games, man. And he's a listener, so he was helping out. Well, you know, I mean, he's one of our Patreon backers. That's why we have all the cool Tesla stuff to kind of roll out with. You know, the BGA mobile. 
you know, things like that. The PGA Rocket, you know, we got we got some stuff. The PGA Tunnels, how we kind of, you know, get to the cons really easy. We got a lot of, you know, I didn't know we turned stuff. into Batman, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> the PGA Shuttle, the PGA <laughs> Plane. What else we got? Got a lot of other stuff. We got our BJ Butler. You know, we got our own Alfred that's that's hanging around. We got our BJ Orangs, you know. So, you know, if we want a board game, we just kind of throw that out. And it eventually comes back, you know, a little little longer than we'd want. But eventually we get the game to the table. <laughs> well, it's a thing. All right. So beyond all of that fun that we will have in the future and or past by the time that you listen to this episode, or if you believe that time is an illusion, as I do, and it's completely meaningless and everything is actually happening at one point, then yeah, that's a thing too. Is this but a Westworld none... podcast now? What's happening? <laughs> ah, it's, it's many, many things. It's Twin Peaks, it's X-Files. <laughs> I mean, we just did our sci-fi bracket, so it's, you know, we still got a sci-fi, you know, vibe about us for the episode. All right, all right. I got it. I'll rent it back in. Uh, okay. Board games, board games. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, so we are talking about how to have the most excellent time at a board game convention. Once again, going back to... And we're going to talk about that in our future review. We got some great help from all of our listeners on our Facebook page. So if you do want to be part of the conversation, Facebook and Twitter is great places to go because Anthony posts those questions of the week. We use a lot of that content, bring the community together at the table. All right, Anthony, so we have so much going on with BGA. Let's get on to some of the other things that are going on that our listeners should know about. Let's get to our acquisition disorders. All right, this one's on Kickstarter right now. It's called Neta Tonka, and it's designed by Hervé Rigal. And it is a game about the Frost River tribes along the Great Frozen River. It is a game about indigenous peoples and their kind of their harmony with nature and the process they go through of picking a new Netatanka, the kind of the elder of the elders. It's not about, you know, Europeans coming in or a fight or anything like that. It's it's about kind of just this particular culture and what goes into, you know, their decision making processes and this particularly important part um, of how how their clans are run. Uh, it's a worker placement game, so automatically I'm on board. And uh, you, you're going to score points in a lot of different ways, building tents, feeding the tribe, handcrafting different items, um, raising the highest totems, showing generosity to your opponents has kind of this interesting spin in the game where you can kind of work with other people a little bit. So I'm very interested in this. It's doing fairly well on Kickstarter. Uh, I think it's up over 100,000 euros. should be up for another week or so when you're listening to this. And on top of all that, it is very beautiful to look at. Great artwork on the cover. Um, this beautiful looking map that you're gonna be placing your your people on. Uh, so definitely looking forward to this one in terms of like worker placement and kind of the way you interact with other players. It's unique, it's different. I like the theme a lot and it's definitely one on my radar coming forward. So that's Neta Tonka. Yeah, this is on my radar too. I already have this saved as a possible pickup. We just talked about board gaming from around the world on our recent Patreon backed episode. Check us out on patreon.com backslash BGA for that episode. And this, once again, another fresh take on worker placement that really needs a fresh take. And it's a beautiful, beautiful design and really interesting kind of mechanics going on here. So this is something that I'm really, really interested in picking up. And I think you might got me on this one, Anthony. Hey, I did it. I did, did, it, thing. I did it. Yeah, I already know what yours <laughs> is, though. So, I mean, you're not going to do it. I was already there, but... 
this episode might be a wash. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think it might happen. All right, so my acquisition disorder for this week is something that was brand new, recently announced from Fantasy Flight Games. This is Heroes of Terranoth. Now, you probably know about the Terranoth universe from Anthony and I because we are huge fans of the Terranoth universe. There are so many great games. We obviously were really upset that Battle Lore kind of dropped off the map completely. They went with the Miniatures game, which was... It's kind of a thing. Obviously, there's multiple board games and card games here. And now what we're looking at is something not completely different because, in fact, we've seen some of these mechanics from Warhammer Quest here in this game. But basically, we're looking at a co-op in the kind of Terranoff universe. So it's all about fantasy themes. And there are four different archetypes. There's Healer, Warrior, Mage, and Scout. Very diversified, different classes. And once again, you're ranking up your powers, you're fighting some bad guys, there's a whole bunch of different campaigns, beautiful, outstanding Fantasy Flight production here, everything you could pretty much want in that kind of dungeon crawl, but done to the best possible standard. So this is a game that I am absolutely have on my radar, I'm really looking forward to it. But I'm not going to say more about it, because Anthony's going to say everything else that needs to be said about it, so go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I was very, very excited about this. I have Warhammer Quest, the adventure yes. card game. I very much enjoy it. It's a fun kind of co-op-y spin on the Lord of the Rings formula with a few new ideas thrown in there um, by the Sadler Brothers. And it got summarily canceled before it even got one expansion because yes. of the loss of that license. So uh -huh. I've pretty much everybody in the solo gaming community has been sitting around wondering when they're going to reuse the mechanics because Fantasy Flight still owns the mechanics. And when are they going to put that on a new game? And so are they going to make a Star Wars version of this? That was the rumor last fall. Are they going to make a Game of Thrones version of this? And lo and behold, they're making a Terranoth, which I'm totally fine with because it's, it's a fun world that they put together. I really, really enjoy this game. So much possibility there. But that's the problem with Fantasy Flight games is that the core box that you buy when you first get one of their games is mostly possibility. The, <laughs> game, the game can be good, but it's not fulfilling because usually it's you know you consume it and you're done and this is definitely the kind of game where once you've beaten it you know there's dice involved so you can keep playing that if you want but you kind of want the next thing and there was no next thing so i'm really really excited about this because there will be a next thing and they have no reason to stop unless nobody buys it so and i'm gonna buy it and yeah there you go here's a terranoth um about time is what i have to say about that absolutely all right, Anthony, so that's everything for our acquisition disorders. Now to our At the Table BGA. So what have you got to the table this week? All right, so I got a chance to play Istanbul the Dice Game. This is the next entry in the long line of the Dice Game re-releases of uh, popular games. And it is by Rudiger Dorn, um, who made the original Istanbul, the uh, Spiel des Jahres winner. And this game is fairly quick. I'd say 20-30 minutes. Very, very much a dice game. The way it works is you have a board with several different ways in which you can get rubies. The game is over when somebody gets six rubies. You can get them by collecting one of four different types of goods. Blue, green, red, yellow. I think it's like fruit and salt and gems or something. One of the tracks is buying the gems with for an increasing amount of money. And the other one is spending certain icons, which you're going to get on dice. Uh, on your turn, you get five dice to roll. Each die has 
multiple faces on it. There's one for each of the different types of goods. There's money. And then there is one additional side that you can use to draw cards. And the cards have all sorts of stuff on them. They usually they're like, trade this in and get this. Um, there are also these mosque tiles. And they're going to be six face up at any given time. Most of them are three of any one kind will buy you that tile. But there's a couple where you can get extra dice on your turn as well. And that's one of each type of good. And the, the goal here is to get as many of these mosque tiles as you can, because that's your engine. Because at the beginning of every turn you take, you are going to activate any of these mosque tiles that give you income. So whether it's extra money or extra crystals that let you, let you re-roll your dice, um, extra dice to roll, etc. Um, there's also some that give you extra actions and other ones that have like chain actions. So one of them is if you take an action that gives you money, you also get a good of a certain kind. And I think there's one for each type of good for that. Activate all those, get your stuff, and then roll your dice. And then you have a little card in front of you that tells you how you can spend your dice. So most of the time, early in the game at least, you're going to spend your dice and get goods back. So the faces of the dice are goods, but also the little icons are. So if you need five goods to purchase a gem, for example, you're probably not going to roll five of that good on your dice when you take your turn but if you've built up three or four cardboard tokens of that good there you go now you have your five so the game is definitely an engine builder you're trying to build up an engine for certain types of goods certain types of money ideally diversify just enough that you can pick up the gems you need to get to six before anybody else uh the games that i've played somebody's always goes heavy on money early on that person maybe picks up the first two or three gems from the money track Someone else might go heavy into the mosque tiles and really build up a ton of those extra icons. You do get one gem if you get to five mosque tiles in your tableau. Overall, though, I mean, I really, really enjoy this game. I mean, I like Istanbul. Uh, I'll play it if it comes out. I do own it somewhere in my closet. But it's not a game that I think to bring out all too often. You know, it's a good medium weight game, but I think there's other games of that weight that I like a little bit more. This one, though, in that light category, has a lot of decisions to be made. It plays very quickly. It's very easy to teach. Um, the iconography is pretty straightforward, and you always have options. You know, the thing I always worry about in the dice game versions of anything is, do I have an option for this particular roll? You always do. If you have a bad roll, you just take the icons, uh, the little cardboard tokens, and you have them for later. And yeah, somebody may be able to run away if they get like two or three really good rolls in a row. That's any dice game. But for the most part, it's fairly tight um, throughout. The game does scale pretty well. The board flips over for two to three or four players. So it, you know, you're not necessarily just racing for the same thing. And it's a lot tighter with more people. I really enjoy it. I think it's a game well worth having. If you like Istanbul uh, and you want something a little bit quicker and more accessible that you can toss in your bag, this is a great one. If you like dice games and want something a little bit of decision making in it that mitigates those dice pretty well, this is also a good for that. It's I think it's a solid game for a lot of people, and I'm glad to have picked it up. So um, I'd say Istanbul, the dice game, is a buy. Yeah, this is a beautiful game. I mean, they did an outstanding production here. Typically, when you hear there's a dice version of a game, it's usually like, eh, we'll throw a couple of bucks at it, but basically it's going to be a watered-down, cheap kind of throwaway version. This is beautiful. I think this is even better than the original game. Yeah, I've heard that from a couple people now, too. Like, the, the game store owner where I picked it up, he was like, oh, I like this better than the original. And yes. two of the people I played with at game nights, they're like, I'd prefer this over the original game. And I'm like, I'm kind of on the fence, but I think I do, too. I don't know if it's a better game. I just think I prefer playing it because of how quick and accessible and 
kind of multifaceted the game is. And it's a lot easier to kind of see the flow of the race to the end. You know, you need six to win. You can look and see where everybody's at. It's very easy to kind of gauge that and to adjust your plans accordingly. Uh, yeah, it's a really solid game and probably one of the better the dice games I've played. Well, speaking about dice games, I have a dice game that's been out for a couple of years, but this is my first chance of getting this game played. came out in 2010 by Stefan Feld, artistry by Michael Menzel. It's called It Happens. Now, this theme for this game, and this is a Queen's game, is really a pasted-on theme, but Michael Menzel's artwork here is very charming, and it's basically an anteater kind of sticking its snout down these different ant and termite holes trying to kind of pick up dinner but basically the gameplay comes down to rolling dice and placing them in strategic positions just like any great Stefan Fell game happens to be. So basically what happens in this game is you will get a particular set of dice you get five dice of your color and on your turn you'll roll one of those dies and then you will place that die on the leftmost position of one of those different stacks and there'll be three cards placed out there at the beginning of each round and based upon where you place it you might pick up a particular item you might be able to set yourself up for additional scoring and if your die number matches the worm number and i'll get to that in a second you'll actually get a worm that you'll be able to use later because worms are not only victory points in this game but they also give you re-rolls, which are very important. So you are trying to get the highest number on that board while picking up different items that allow it for a particular set collection, or if you have the most diverse items, you also get bonus points for that as well. So five points if you get two of the same, 10 points if you have the most different items. But on the card itself, it'll tell you what first place is worth and what second place is worth. So strategically, you got to figure out what are you going for in that circumstance? Are you going for items? Are you going for points? And sometimes you're just trying to do your best to block other people out from certain positions. So you will play that over four different rounds. So there's 12 total cards. You'll be spending your worms to be able to reroll your dice. And that's pretty much it in a nutshell. It's a very quick game, probably a half hour tops. It's definitely on the lighter end, especially for a Feld game. But it's about a $15 game. It's out of print, but you can find copies. It's still not an exorbitant amount of money. You're going to probably pick it up for anywhere between $12 and $20. And I would say at the lower player count, it's a play. At the five-player count for a light game, it's worth a buy. The artwork is cute and cartoony, so you can definitely sit down and play this with family. But with the five-player count, there is some strategic kind of decisions to be made here. So for a light game, the game is worth a buy. That's great. Yeah, this is the one I've collected almost all of his games. I think I have two or three left. This is one of them that I've not been able to track down and play yet. Yeah, it's a lot of fun for a light game. All right, Anthony. So that's everything for At the Table. Let's do it. Let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are talking about how to have a good time at a convention. So, Anthony, I know a lot of our listeners had something to say about this. We want to hear what they have to say. So why don't you take it away? Yeah, so we figured we could put together a top 10 or we could ask you guys to help us put together a top 10 and then uh, share our thoughts. Because I think it's, a lot of this stuff is going to be the same. You know, these are there are certain tips you can make. There's a lot of things you can do. 
the list is not going to be super different if we develop it or you guys do. Thanks everybody who did write in though. We had a lot of good responses, uh, some funny ones, some serious ones, some creative ones, but uh, we're going to share some of the best ones here. Um, so number one on the list, I think the first thing everybody thinks, and this goes for yourself as much as it does for everybody around you, but shower every day, <laughs> every morning. This is from Scott. That's And it's important because, you know, you're at a convention, it's crowded, people are hanging out, you want to stay up late, you want to get out early, you don't want to stop and take time. And But it's uh, not only is it polite to everybody around you to make sure you take care of your own hygiene, but you just feel better. Like, you're going to feel better, fresher, more comfortable in your own skin around everybody else if you've taken the time for yourself every morning. It's, it's hard to stop. I understand that. I've been in that boat, but it's good for everybody involved. All right. Next one on the list here. Uh, Tim says, don't book every second of every day. It's supposed to be a vacation. <laughs> uh, I agree. We've done this before. And we've also not done this in some other cons. Like we went to PAX in November. Didn't book much of anything. It was a blast. Uh, been to Gen Con with meetings all day, every day. Less of a blast. So <laughs> it's it, it varies, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, each con has its own thing. Some are about open gaming. Some are about the the vendors that are there. But you should definitely plan some in-between time because it takes time to get across the hall. You need to get meals. I think people forget that all the time, that you will burn out even though you're sitting down most of the time. So break up that schedule, do different things, and I think you'll enjoy it a lot more. Absolutely. Yeah, which goes into the next one here from Aaron. Get enough sleep. You got to sleep. And it's, again, you have a limited amount of time. I'm a parent and very busy all the time. So the idea of, you know, taking breaks and slowing down when I have these four or five days and that's it, you know, and then after that, it's several months again, back to the regular grind. It's, it's tempting just to kind of blow out and, you know, pretend you're 19 again. And if you are 19, <laughs> go for it. Stay up all night. I don't care. But um, if you're like us and you're you know, a little bit older, take care of yourself, you know, get some sleep. Don't don't kill yourself because uh, by that last day, you're not having any fun. Yeah, you really have to pick and choose your battles there. And if you want to be awake and aware for a good, you know, gaming experience, definitely get some sleep. If you can get there early and see if you could stay a little bit later, maybe sleep over after the convention's over so that you can catch up on some of that. And, you know, we always want our best people at the table. So definitely get some sleep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've started doing that with almost every con now. I, I go home on Monday, not Sunday, and it's a lifesaver. So Sarah says, pack hand sanitizer and use it regularly. Here, here, everybody, keep those germs to yourself. <laughs> yeah, do that early and do that often. Obviously, make sure your hands are dry before you touch any board game pieces. But the worst thing, and I think they often talk about, you know, you know, convention crud, where you actually get sick on the way home. Everybody's touching those components. And there's a ton of kids around. So God only knows what's going on around there. You want to stay healthy. You want to stay safe. And you want to be able to continue to play games. Don't get sick during a convention because you're typically going to be in you know, a new city or in the middle of nowhere. And that's not a good place for that to happen. No, no. And even if you do make it home, there's nothing worse than like taking a few days off work, finally getting home and realizing, oh, now I'm really sick. This is great. Yeah. I have to figure out how to get to work. Not fun. Tim has a funny suggestion or something he does as a tradition. Uh, he has mini composition books that he has all the new people he meets write their name and Twitter on a page so he can remember all the people he meets and keep in touch afterwards. Cons are a great way to make new friends and seeing them each year and play games together. 
So I guess the rule is remember all the great people he meets and keep in touch with them after the con. So um, this is pretty cool. I mean, it's really going to depend on how you best remember and keep in touch with people. But I think we've all been there where you meet a bunch of awesome people. You have a great time together. The next time you see them, you're like, what was your name again? Because it's been, you know, six to 12 months. And uh, if there's a way you can kind of keep people in your mind, write it down, connect with them online, do something, that's great. Yeah, especially with Board Game Geek, that's a really great way to get together. And what's funny is, and Anthony and I have started to experience this more and more, is that the same people tend to come to the same convention again and again. And eventually, even in a crowd, you could start recognizing people or just walking around. You're like, oh, I know that that guy. Like, I don't know his name, but I've seen him here before several times. So the crowd becomes a lot more familiar as time goes on, but definitely find some way to connect. All right. So Jen's advice is to each their own. Not everyone in a group is going to want to do the same thing all the time. It's perfectly fine to split up so you don't miss what you've been looking forward to. Uh, yeah, I think this is a big one, especially if you travel with a large group of people. Uh, it's easy to think, oh, we need to stick together. We came together. We got to play games together. We have tickets together. But everybody's got their own things that they like to do. You know, maybe some person really wants to go LARPing. We went to a con oh, probably three, four years ago at this point with Drew and Daniel. And Drew was like, I am LARPing. And we're like, you go for it, man. <laughs> like <laughs> We are going to play this game here. And that's awesome because that's something he wanted to do. We played a game together and everybody's got different types of games they want to play. Maybe people want to go sit and watch a movie. Most of these cons have like rooms where you can just go veg out and play video games or watch movies. Just do what's best for you so that you're having a good time. Don't stress out so much about trying to like fit in and match up with what everybody else is doing. Yeah, the best thing I can offer then in reference to this is probably something I learned in the business world, which is when you brainstorm don't brainstorm and make up that schedule together have everyone look at it individually have everyone pick out what they want to do on their own and then when you come to the table and you come together to look at how you're going to put that schedule together you've already kind of staked out your space so if things cross over that's great if they don't then you already have it down and out there so you don't have to necessarily feel bad about that and you'll always have meals to get together so do it in advance, come together, definitely make you know an opportunity to get together at some point during the day, but have a good time. It's about meeting new people and trying new things. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Peter says, our group's rule for the con we hit is at the start of every con, you eat sushi. So less of a rule, more of a best practice, but I'm still going to count it. I'm not saying everybody should go out eat sushi. I think Peter isn't either, but I think it's it's nice to have kind of traditions and things that you do every time. Um, when we go to Origins, there are certain restaurants we go to. There's the market across the street that we hit up almost every time for half of our meals. Um, there are certain things that you're going to come back to every time. When we go to Gen Con, we hit up the same vegan food place every single time <laughs> for many, many meals. <laughs> Three carrots. Um, and that's part of your routine. And that's fun because that makes it like something you remember, something you know gets you psyched up. That's part of the process. That, that's a big part of these conventions as well. Yes, absolutely. I think a lot of people have those kind of lucky traditions that either you start off with or you kind of wrap up with and you find your favorite places. And surprisingly enough, even though it's typically a year, they remember you too. For sure. All right. So the next couple here are about games because you're going to convention to play games, of course. Um, Andrew says, try to play games you can't play easily at home and learn new ones. And then William says, set a budget for your purchases. I think those go together well, because usually after step one there, 
you're going to buy something in step two. So I would agree with both of these. I think it's easy to think you're going to a convention. Oh, I'm going to play these games I never get a chance to play. Almost every convention I go to, I end up lugging games with me. because I'm like, let's play these. And we never do because we're busy um, running around. And there's all sorts of new stuff around that you can try out. Uh, I think last year at Origins was one of my favorite times because we sat down and learned how to play Lisboa um, with Vitola Serda teaching us how to play the game. And that's a game I already had coming in the mail from Kickstarter, but I was still very excited to sit down and learn it, knowing that I didn't have to go home and read the rule book, and from the designer, which was amazing. So opportunities like that are only going to happen at cons. Take them when you can. Yeah, I know that you're probably used to doing the things that you typically do, but when you go to a con... There's so many different things. Anthony mentioned movies before. You know, flip through the entire catalog and do something you've never done. You know, make time to kind of meet with the designers and publishers because that's an experience you're not going to get at home. And there's just a lot of uniqueness that goes on in the corners of conventions that if you don't explore, you'll never know about. And it really could open you up to new worlds. Absolutely. All right, and then the last couple of tips here. Chris says, hydrate. That is all. <laughs> I agree. Every single time I go to a convention, at least some point, Friday or Saturday usually, I'm like, I have a splitting headache. And I was like, when was the last time I drank any water? Oh, there you go. Well, I'm an idiot. So <laughs> drink water, have a water bottle on you at all times. If it's empty, go buy a new one or fill it up. Stop whatever you're doing. Just keep water, 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 water. Don't drink soda the whole time. You're in a giant air-conditioned space and you're moving around a lot. It's sure. you. It's very easy to underestimate how much that can dehydrate you. Absolutely, especially most of these cons happen during the summer, so a lot of walking and a lot of walking in the hot heat. So if you're caffeinating to no end, you're gonna feel it and you're gonna crash. So a reusable water bottle is your best friend because a lot of places do have an opportunity to get, you know, refilled. And that's going to save you a lot of money. And that's really the thing that you want to carry around more than anything other than maybe a snack or some nuts or th something like that. Because some of these games are going to last a couple of hours and you got to be able to keep going. Absolutely. And then the last tip from Ronald, and of course this is the number one tip, relax and just go with the weekend. Have fun, right? <laughs> it's not work. For us, sometimes it's work. But it should never be work for you guys. You're going to a con to have fun. I meet people sometimes at the cons who are just like, Okay, but we got to get, and we got another thing, and then we got to leave this this time because we're going to miss the next thing, and they've, they've packed all this stuff so tightly together, and they're running between games, and they just look very stressed out. Don't stress yourself out. It's a convention. Have fun. Okay. So, Anthony, how about you? Any any final tips for the masses out there? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, for me, the thing I've learned in the last few years is, and it kind of fits into these other things, is just don't try to do too much don't bring too much stuff with me don't plan too much stuff don't wake up in the morning stressed out about how much time is left just go with it and if there's a few things i really want to do focus on those and then the rest of the time just kind of happens because i'm a planner i'm a to-do list guy that's how i get my work done and when i turn i turn everything into that but when i turn a con into that it becomes a lot less fun for me yeah i'm gonna say you want to eat healthy, even if you don't normally eat healthy. And this came up a little bit, I guess, generally with some of the early statements. We're gamers. We sit at the table for enjoyment. And typically that's a number of hours, not mentioning the studying and the building of all the different inserts. So we spend the vast majority of our time sitting down 
and probably you spend the vast majority of your work life sitting down and of course sleeping. So there's very little amount of time you're actually getting real decent exercise out there. And if you are consuming chips and sodas and just fried food and meat, that's really gonna do a number on your cardiovascular system. And I guess a fellow geek, our friend Kevin Smith, recently had a massive heart attack and kind of turned his life around. He survived, luckily, to a fully plant-based diet. And that's something that everyone should consider doing because cholesterol is a killer. We're not exercising as much as we should. We're not eating as healthy as we should. And we want to keep everyone at the table healthy and long-lasting so that we can all play games together in our retirement years where we'll finally have time to get to the table. All right, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you a seat at the table. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.